Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Kid Presentable. hey Last but not least, recording off his phone like it's episode 10, which Mike thinks might have happened last week, Lavender Gooms. Hello. I was about to come in with that uh, episode uh, 316, but, you know. You did it, Bob. You did it. It was everyone's favorite. You got to run it back. Exactly. Stefan falling ass backwards into a semi-correct answer last week. Um, All right, boys and girls. We're going to talk to you guys about UFC Fight Night, wherever the fuck they... Oh, I know where they were. They were in San Antonio because we got that sweet picture of Tim Duncan with that island hair hanging out with Joseph Benavidez. Great picture. And now we got uh, Tim Duncan coming back. To coach the Spurs from the sideline, really hoping he doesn't get a haircut. I think that's pretty interesting. He might be next, right? Are they just going? They might groom him to be the heir apparent to uh, Popovich or it's something. It's not going to be Becky Hammond. I don't know. Wait, I like Duncan. Second. I like Duncan coaching, though. I think it's cool. Is He's t- a big Tim fun Duncan of is Tim Duncan is getting into coaching. He's joining the assistant coaching staff of the San Antonio Spurs. He oh, is a lifer. This, this is great because if any of you guys ever remember Tim Duncan's attire walking into the arena. Uh, the best way I saw it ever described, it was like a seventh grade boys like dance attire. It was just so like all his dress shirts are just so overly baggy and big. He kind of dressed like Mace. You guys remember that guy? <laughs> it reminded me of Mace. That's what I, that was the vibe I was getting from Tim Duncan. He, you know, he was he, part he was of Bad a, Boy he, Records in '96. That's what he dressed like. He's in his 40s, man. That '90s hip hop. That was his heyday. Okay, just let him be. Let him be. There was that. There was that whole story about him doing a like uh, Muay Thai and stuff. I remember after he retired, like he, the dude was like a fight fan. Like he was so happy to be in that picture with Joseph Benavidez. It was great. <laughs> all, all that picture, he just looked like he was trying to look like a palm tree to me is all I saw. He's from um, Virgin <laughs> Islands, right? Virgin the, Islands. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to look like the, the trees of his homeland. Tim, all I see is a very tall man with dreads. I just think Tim Duncan's making up for all the weed he didn't smoke when he was uh, playing in the NBA. <laughs> if you guys would like some Tim Duncan trivia, he got into basketball after the only Olympic-sized swimming pool in the Virgin Islands got destroyed in a hurricane he was an aspiring swimmer i just want to say i mean we all like to talk about the knicks and the frozen envelope getting patrick ewing the spurs losing david robinson in like the first week of the season then blatantly tanking for an entire year and then they just so happen to get the man who gives them the twin towers that's some low-level draft uh, lottery workage or working right there. I just want to say. Yeah, some... I'm a decent conspiracy theorist, but the idea that we the NBA had a plot to make San Antonio, Texas, a relevant market, I can't buy it. I, I think the other it. option was I Milwaukee. Sell, I got to sell that. I think the other option was Milwaukee. I'm saying. I think it could be worse than San Antonio, Texas. That shitty town with the creek, with the creek running through it. That dirty-ass creek. Talking about you, <laughs> San Antonio. It's not a good city. 
It's not a good place to visit. You should never go there. This podcast, I just, you know, we're off to a roaring start. I thought I was going to come in and talk about my, uh, the, the, our usual, you know, the, 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 the food debate of the week. But I got near universal response from all these guys as to how they like their steak cooked. And it's pretty clear you should not bring a steak the direction of any of us if it's cooked much farther than medium. Actually, medium is pretty much the maximum is what I learned with you guys. Uh, I mean, it's that's about right. common knowledge. Yeah. I'm a- uh, you know, you said you had mostly men votes. I passed it to a few lady friends. Uh, no one said higher than three. Yeah. I think it's a pretty common agreement. Yeah. I, I, I say this with the utmost disrespect. If anyone picks anything above a three, you my non-friend are uncultured swine no see no look if you want to order us okay people haven't seen this fucking chart we should explain what one through five are one is rare then medium rare medium medium well well done being five look if you want to order a steak well done go ahead man brock lesnar does it so if that wants to be your hero sure but you you shouldn't uh don't waste your money you might as well buy a cheap steak this came up while i was talking uh with my uh friend stacy about it and uh, she brought up a good point. Sometimes you got to get that medium rare because some restaurants do this fucked up thing where they give you a really hot ass plate yes. that cooks your steak more. And it's like, why Why do I need the hot plate? Like, why don't you just give me a normal plate that doesn't keep cooking my steak, please? Um, because, yeah, when we were at Ruth Chris, uh, I got medium rare, but that thing was well done because I was having a lovely conversation <laughs> with my then, uh, you know, groom buddy, Mark. And uh, my steak suddenly was just very, very good. Yeah, if you're say if you they tell you about their hot plates, you get that shit rare. Okay. Also, pro tip: burger aim towards more rare because it's gonna sit there between all that other shit you got in the burger, steaming in that hot bun. It's gonna cook more. This is just tips on how to eat beef. That's what this Mark, podcast is about. This Mark, week. where did you fall on this? Because I when Bobby sent it to me. I, I did. I, I did tease you a little. I was like, uh, "Did you ask Mark yet?" Because he probably would choose Secret Option Six, uh, the chicken breast. <laughs> uh, I probably would prefer a, a good juicy chicken over a steak. That's just my preference. But no, uh, two, three. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I, and I, I'll, I'll eat a rarer steak. I just, I'm always concerned. Like, is it okay that it's this rare? Like, this, this shit needs to be cooked a little. You know what? When I cook it myself. I'm rarely dancing down there, man. <laughs> I have complete confidence in myself. Can I'm you get like, sick if it's not cooked well enough? I mean, if the meat's shitty. Beef tartar, but, I mean, you've, I had, mean, you've, you've straight up eaten raw beef at this point. You survived that, so. Um, yeah, guys, I'm over it. Why, I'm not that concerned. Why are we being such, like, little, you know, little girls with this? I couldn't think of another word. But you went. Like, you decided yo, like, to slander an entire gender. <laughs> well, there's yeah. nothing more insulting. Right. You could have went with wimps. <laughs> there we go. All right, I retract girls and go with wimps. Like animals eat raw meat all the time. Like, yeah, I'm they are. How, how long? How long do those fucking animals live, man? Dog. Yeah, man. We're trying to like. <laughs> we're trying to live, I'm man. Elevated, motherfucker. I'm out of the chain. Well, I gotta cook my meat. When it's animals, not like they're like, oh, I just like it rare. They don't know how to fucking cook, Mike. So it's like they have options. All right. Also, and they, when animals eat, get they, the eat it, they eat it as rare as possible, man. They like they eat it straight from the zebra. Again, you know, just not take much a bite. Of a choice. They know if they don't eat their shit right now, something else is gonna. Yeah, eat haven't you, them haven't you played them. Red Dead? You know what happens if you ride on that horse too much with your hunted beef? It just it goes bad. You gotta cook that shit, man. <laughs> it spoils. Well, the animals, Mike, when they hunt, it's fresh. And as I was saying to Bob, that scale does have some room for flexibility because it's inversely proportional to how much I trust this restaurant. The more like 
the more faith I have that this is a high quality establishment, I can go rare. If this is some junky ass chain, like don't yeah, buy a fucking know. steak. How about that? You shouldn't buy a steak at the, don't buy a steak at Applebee's. Okay, that's what we're getting at here. If you're gonna get a, get a burger, it'll be pretty well done. But you know what? They'll cover it in enough cheese and bacon that you won't even know what the beef tastes like. You know, I just hope one day we get like this email, like we we're about to offer you guys a sponsorship. But then we heard you slander our business's wonderful name in that last episode. <laughs> That's oh god, Applebee's <laughs> printing money. I'm I'll be talking. I'll talk about that fucking three for whatever the full course for twelve bucks thing they got. You know the soup, the bread. They give you an appetizer, dinner, and a fucking. We won't even say it's paid sponsorship. We'll just start saying the shit. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we guys have integrity here. We need them dollar bills. Yeah, man, we we did a whole month on Trader Joe's for all these people. No, we were getting money from Joe. We weren't. We really weren't. Um. All right, guys. Do you guys know that the MMA talk is going to be light this week when we spend the first fucking ten minutes talking about beef? Um. All right, the UFC, as I mentioned, was in San Antonio. San Antonio, some people say they're assholes. Um, main evented by Leon Edwards and Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, some good stuff happened on this card. People seem pretty annoyed about the fact that it started with um, s- nine decisions, which, Mark, I talked about it with you. It didn't really affect me because I started tuning in around Pennington and Aldana. I was having an okay time there, man. I had no complaints about that at that point. I mean, Uh, I skipped the vast majority, but I also heard the the few fights I saw that went to decision. The one fight I saw that, oh, actually, no, I saw the main event too. Um, They were entertaining enough, and I heard, you know, the Alex uh, uh, Casares fight was decent. And you said Pennington was kind of a, a barn burner. Yeah, I mean, you as well as fights where like you look at you you see those two names next to each other, you kind of know what you're going to get into here. Like we're just going to start throwing punches. We're gonna hockey fight this MMA fight, basically. I mean, I'm um, sure the Sam Alvey fight. That's probably Bobby. That's probably that was that was the peak of the misery. There were probably four decent decisions. Then Alvey came, stunk it up real bad for a while, and everyone's in a sour. You know what? Well, you don't know half the people. Also, this shit just runs together. I bet, <laughs> like, just one long fucking fight. If um, I remember correctly, uh, isn't nine the new record now? Because before the record was eight. Decisions it's, it's the record. Card, to, right? It's the most consecutive. Or to start off a show is nine. Our overall record is ten, I believe. Which um, I think they might, they might have hit ten. I, mean, I guess ultimately. Yeah, I think they drew with the main event. Yeah, I think that's what we got at the end of a uh... record setting event. Don't miss yeah. it. Here it is. Total of ten decisions on the card. The event tied like five events for uh, most oh, decisions. That's really not exciting. Then. When you when you get no, but there's nine in a row tied with. Well, but when you're tied with four other events, it's like always. You know what? Decision doesn't always mean the fights were bad. Just saying. Um, more often than not. Well, I mean, let's yeah, just get man. into it, man. Uh, Leon Edwards, um, Rafael dos Anjos. This was a high caliber fight. This card, quite frankly, on paper, might be better than this pay per view that's on fucking. I was thinking the same. Thing. Except the main event. The main event's better on the pay per view. But besides uh, that. I At mean, first, I was thinking like, well, if we slot, if we move some of these around, but really, it's just like, okay, move all the fights. You know what? This they should have they should have canceled this fucking card, giving me Leon Edwards, Rafael dos Anjos, Walt Harris Alenik, and some other fucking fight in the main card of this pay per view. But I digress. I agree. Marcus Leon Edwards went out there against a former world champion, um, took him five rounds, but this is the kind of performance you expect from a man if he expects to be taken seriously as a contender, right? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those performances where. Which was impressive because, you know, he handled a, a top guy fairly well. You know, I don't think Leon Edwards 
really lost any rounds until the last. And I really think that was just him kind of coasting. He kind of knew he had the, the fight. And uh, Dos Anjos knew he had to make something big happen. So he was a lot more aggressive in that last round. But for the most part, yeah, Leon Edwards just controlled this fight, uh, you know, very systematically, very smartly. He took Dos Anjos down in the first round, controlled him for the most part, got him tired. And then from there, he did a lot of good work from the clinch. And I think one of his best uh, moves in this fight was the uh, left uh, elbow off the, the clinch release. He opened up a big cut on the second round with Dos Anjos and continued to use that strike. And, and also just like his stand-up from the outside was really good. His hands were really good. He was able to control a lot of the uh, you know grappling scenarios. And at the same time, while he had a good performance, it really wasn't one of those ones where it's like, he, he, I don't think he's going to make a ton of fans in this fight, right? He, he, he looked extremely impressive, but it wasn't in the sense of like, he's smashing this guy, or it looks like he has I a mean, skill set. Or, <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair, Mark, because like, especially what we were coming from with the last image we have of Mr. Edwards. He's very tied to Jorge Masvidal right now, just given what's going on between them. Which isn't bad. And right considering these are the guys trying to vie for a title shot because nobody knows what's going on in the Covington bracket. Um, we got Masvidal puts a guy out in five seconds. Right. Extremely. I mean, he, even like was he trying to talk some shit about Masvidal after the fight and Masvidal said, I put, I put fighters to sleep, not fans. Which was a little harsh, quite frankly. This fight wasn't bad necessarily. No, it was, yeah, it wasn't boring. It was just systematic, and I and I agree with you, Bob. Because like, not only did Masvidal just have like a good perform, like that fucker went viral. Like people that don't watch MMA saw that knee because it exploded. Right, it was the fastest knockout. It's an easy way to, and it's an easy gif, right? And that's really where shit can really explode on the internet, and you really get a lot of exposures. Like people are passing this shit around on Reddit and on Twitter because they can just post it on their thing. Oh, did you see this flying knee? It's fucking awesome. Everyone's talking about Masvidal now. And Edwards, you know, kind of lucked into it, right? Like, he kind of had beef with this dude before. And it looks like there are already, you know, rumblings of them fighting. Masvidal's stock just skyrocketed. And Leon Edwards needed to win this fight, right? If he lost this fight, there's no fight with Masvidal. So he needed to win this fight. And he did. And he looked good doing it. It just wasn't a spectacular performance. It was just systematic. He was just better than Dos Anjos in every step of the way. Um, and I think his, right, his stock also rose in this win. But it's just like... When you look at Masvidal, dude just became famous. He literally became famous with that fight. Yeah, I mean, Edwards, despite the pretty long win streak he's on, um, one looks like he's on an eight-fight win streak, um, was ranked 12th going into this fight. Granted, he just beat number four. Yeah. But I'm imagining he's going to pass a lot of these people after oh, that yeah. big win. That was a big win for him. Um, we don't know what's going on with this title, uh, with this, with this title shot here. Uh, Steph, we got um, we got a couple camps here in terms of where they think this is going to go. We got the ultimately the champion doesn't have a fight booked, and we have a pretty. I think most people are thinking it comes down to one of two people, and that's either Jorge Masvidal or the uh, never defeated interim champion, uh, Colby Covington. We haven't booked the fight yet, and Covington fights in two weeks. Where do you think we're going to end up here? You think they're going to wait and see what Covington does against Lawler first? Um, I, th I think they just strike with the irons hot. I agree with Mark. Is uh, you know, they they're never ones to not like fast track people to a title shot. It's the better storyline to just do Moss at all. Um, you know, because Usman, his his name's not that sexy. He took that belt by winning from another not sexy champion. Though I do like him in Tyron Woodley. So, um, 
you know, he, he needs some of that shine. Um, yeah, Edwards is kind of shit out of luck uh, here. Um, particularly, he won with a lot of wrestling, and that's what's at the top of this division. Like, I don't want to see him win with a tactic like, well, you're not better than Usman at this. I don't think you're better than Woodley at this. You're probably not better than Covington at this. And so it's just it's hard to picture him above it. Um, yeah, he, he he needed to win more impressively. He would want to stand up his name. But I agree with Mark. Uh, Masvidal's got all the momentum right now. So, yeah. He, and I, Dana seems to like him. That's important. Um, I don't know. Colby's the same type of shithead Dana is, but somehow Colby annoyed Dana that they're not doing him any favors. Well, I think it's also um, that Colby is talking as if he has. Here's the thing. Fundamentally, Dana White's a businessman. And I think Colby's bullshit about how much pop how popular he is isn't the reality of like somebody like when Chael was making up how great he was, at least he had the attention. I, I don't, I'm not talking about fan support in terms of people liking him. Maybe Q rating is what I'm talking about here in terms of mostly notoriety. Um, Chael was just better at lying. Yeah, I think. No, he, I think said, ultimately, he said everyone loved him, and you kind of believed him. And then Covington says it, and you're like, I don't really. believe Well, here's him. the thing: Covington fucked up and wouldn't agree to whatever they wanted him to do to fight Woodley because he finally Woodley said he would fight him. And I think Tyron, I think Kobe wanted more money, and then he fucked up, and Tyron lost the belt, and that was the fight. And nobody knows who Usman is, as Stefan put it. And the only thing you they got in some weird fight at a blackjack table or something. I don't know. Nobody gave a shit. Um, he hasn't fought since the last time he fought. I watched at in, in our friend Phil's apartment in New York. That was last June. Last wasn't time that, wasn't that against Dos Anjos? That was against Dos Anjos, where he did. A, he, he was less interesting winning that fight than Leon Edwards was. Let's put it that way. So that's what we're dealing with here. So I don't know. I mean, Mike, what do you think? Would you think we're gonna? You think? I mean, maybe they want to wait and see what Colby does, just so they have some more leverage when they come to Mosfidal, because Mosfidal doesn't want money. No. I think, I think they go with Masvidal because million. I think it's fair to say millions of people saw his entire fight since it took five seconds. He was all over Levitard show too, right? He was all over the Levitard show. He was great on the Levitard show. He was funny. Uh, a lot of people watched that show. So, and he was there for a whole hour, if I'm right. So it wasn't just like a quick Sports Center hit where he was just there for five minutes. He was there for a pretty long time on one of the more highly uh, highly watched and, and listened to radio shows, I think, in America, is fair to say. So a lot of people know who he is. He had the ex- spectacular knockout. He had the great press conference afterwards that was extremely quotable. Uh, not quite on the same level as uh, Red Panty Night, but it's super necessary. I think is always going to be in the yeah. lexicon when it comes to... to to MMA, yeah. at least for the foreseeable future. So if Usman doesn't have an opponent and he's recovering from knee surgery and Masvidal is willing to wait for the title shot, all other things being equal, which it isn't, between him, Leon Edwards, and Colby Covington, yeah, obviously it's going to be Masvidal because as we've talked about... Not what if Robbie before, Lawler wins? And age, no. What if I Robbie Lawler? What if Robbie? We know how much Dana White likes Robbie Lawler. If Robbie Lawler goes out there and starches the interim champion, who's not really the interim champion, because that's how Robbie Lawler wins this fight—he knocks him out. That's the, what's how it would happen. I think you still got to go with the Heat, and I think Dana will go with who has the most Heat, and that would be Masvidal. Even if, even if Lawler starches uh, Covington in this in this fight in about two weeks. Is Usman hurt, you said? I didn't know that. He's hurt? Didn't he have a, a, a his knee scoped or a knee surgery or something? 
I thought that was what I I'm honestly I don't know. I I don't know if they gave a reason why he hadn't fought yet, but sure, that makes sense. He hasn't fought. He won the belt in March, and we haven't heard anything. I mean, it's only been four months, I guess. But I thought I remember when he went on the Joe Rogan podcast that he said that he was going to take some time off to fix a uh, a little knee problem they had going into the fight. I think he's got. I mean, both him and Jorge have good managers in that they get their guys paid. So we'll see what's maybe that's a factor here. Anyway, um, Walt Harris, Alexei Olenek, fight was 12 seconds long. Walt Harris went for a flying knee that got Alexei in the armpit, shoulder area. Um, yep. And then uh, it kind of made him go back a little bit. And then he got punched in the face. And on the way down, his leg broke. And then he got hit two more times. All this happened in 12 seconds. Yeah. Correct. That's, <laughs> that, um, that was the events that happened and what occurred. Which, it was a good performance from Walt Harris. And, um, you know, we kind of talked about it last week. I think Steph was the only person that picked. Yeah, hold on one second, Mark. Uh, gentlemen, whichever one of you guys is typing, your microphone's picking up the hell out of it. Sorry. But uh, go ahead, Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, um, when we broke down the fight, you know, uh, Steph went with Walt. Um, and I, I said that, you know, if Walt's going to win this fight, he, he gets a lot of knockouts and TKOs. And uh, Alexi gets knocked out and TKO'd a lot. So I don't think the outcome was super shocking. I mean, I think it happened really fast. It happened in in very highlight reel order, right? Because I think, both Bob, we both saw it. It looked like that knee hurt him, and then the punch put him away. And you can see in the replay, like, the knee didn't really hurt him as much as it kind of threw him off balance and exposed the side of his head, which he got danked on real quick and fell over. And I guess broke his leg, which was not apparent when you first watched it. I didn't know about it until he told me today. I was like, oh, I didn't Well, know. he was, like, on the ground for a while, and he was like, fu- I thought he was, uh, wasn't have his wits. He didn't have, the, he didn't have the wits about him. And then uh, he was kind of grabbing his leg, and then I looked, and people were saying, oh, we might have hurt his leg. And then they said, oh, they, he broke that shit. Yeah, that sucks. Stefan, you picked Walt Harris, and you're the only one who did it, and he knocked that dude out in 12 seconds. Tip of the cap to you, sir. Yeah, he looks like he's kind of found a home. Um, he's very comfortable. He's very athletic and very explosive. Um, you know, people said kind of, I guess we'll talk to him as uh, begrudgingly as I you know, feel to do it. But, um, you know, matching him up with Greg Hardy next someone gets fucking knocked out. It'll, it, it's two very explosive, you know, powerful dudes. Um, yeah, I mean, this is it. Alexi's really old. He's prone to getting hit, and this is a young guy who can hit people. You know, he he didn't have the grappling acumen that Fabricio did. Like, how much are we going to hold it against him for that loss against Fabricio? Man, like, Fabricio yeah. was on top of the world when he did that to him. Yeah. Like, so um, he's a guy who hadn't really found his home, but it seems like he settled in at heavyweight. And he came in as, like, a good-shaped heavyweight, too. Like, he was very toned, muscular, and built. He wasn't a soft heavyweight. He wasn't a flabby heavyweight. So this division always needs new blood, and this guy's got heavyweight knockout power. So may as well see where he can take it. Skipping over the next fight, um, James Vick. Man, James Vick talked a lot of shit. And all the comments whenever he loses now, and there's been a few of them, has been, remember when this guy talked all this shit to Justin Gaethje? He's lost three in a row. Two of them, him getting punched right in the fucking face, getting knocked unconscious. In the middle there, Paul Felder beat him, I want to say, three rounds to nothing. Um, Marcus, uh... Went out there and fought in front of a bunch of Texans, and this dude got cracked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, now that we've, you know, there's been a couple fights here where 
you're starting to see the, the, the glaring holes in James Vick's game. And it's obviously defense, especially when it comes to, you know, defending stuff to the head. And I honestly think a lot of it just has to do with his natural height for the division. And he's carried over really bad habits, just relying on him being so much taller than his opponents and being able to utilize the jab to keep people at a distance and just people not being able to get in, like basically in the pocket with him and to throw punches. So we saw Gaethje, who is hard to deter from that area because punches don't stop that man, was able to exploit him. I can't remember the, the Paul Felder fight super well. Um, but what we saw with Dan Hooker was, you know, Dan Hooker is not quite as tall as Vic is, but he's a, he's a tall, lengthy guy. And he basically used feints and big step-ins to get in the pocket against Vic. And, you know, ultimately how he finished him, he did a big step-in, he faked a right overhand, and then went with a left hook. The right overhand got him in the pocket, left hook was wide open because James Vic really doesn't keep his hands up. He keeps them down by mm-hmm. his uh, by his waist because he knows that like I can catch people coming in there's so much distance they have to basically come in at me with that when I'm backing up and putting my head up, I'm, you know, safe. And he was not safe. Mike, um, these habits Mark's discussing, some of this just might be the result of this man was 13 and one, wanted greater competition, and now he's got it. I mean, is this just what happens when you get to a certain level and your holes get exposed? Yeah, I mean, before this three-fight losing streak, uh, James Vick had won about nine in a row, and a lot of that was against competition that was on the uh, lower-end part of the, the UFC roster. He he got his wish in those last three fights to, to get higher competition, and we're seeing what his ceiling is. Um, James Vick isn't an especially young guy, if I'm right. He's about 27 or 28. 32. Oh my God, he was much older than I thought. Well, he's so you know is... he's only he's seventeen fights in, and you know his only other loss besides these three was when he lost to Benil Dariush, which, quite frankly, might be the best person he fought. You know, in those first fourteen fights, so and and he lost that fight. So, considering he is thirty-two, and any fight where it's been someone who's been a step up in competition, he's lost. I don't think it's that he just has holes in his game he's going to be able to shore up. I just think this is a ceiling. We'll see. I mean, he does train with noted piece of shit Lloyd Irvin. Um, so, quite frankly, not necessarily sad when he loses. You guys can Google yourselves why Lloyd Irvin is a piece of shit. Hey, um, just because you train with good people doesn't mean you're going to be any good. I mean, Leonard Garcia trained that yeah, uh, he Lloyd Irvin is a very bad person. Go ahead and Google that for yourselves, folks. Um, big win for Dan Hooker. I did like him saying, you know, I heard you're not supposed to mess, mess with Texas. So I, I trained really hard for this fight. And I'm like, he trained really hard to mess with Texas. I enjoyed that. Um, Andre Arlovsky, Ben Rothwell. Um, Andre's hands look great, quite frankly. He was getting off in the first couple rounds, Marcus. Looks like he kind of ran out of gas somewhere in the third and beg Big Ben was still there and was able to land a couple things, but... Andre still got 30-27 across the board. Yeah, no, I mean, this is probably one of his best performances in a long time. And and a lot of it was just him getting comfortable throwing in the pocket. And that's what he did every time these two would get close enough. He would not just throw punches. He would throw combinations. You know, basically anytime Ben would throw one, maybe two punches, Andre was answering with three to four back. 
or even starting to throw three or four, you know, and basically anytime Ben came forward, he would time that and come forward as well. And just consistently threw a lot more strikes, which I think is, has been one of the things with Andre is just him not getting off consistently enough. And also too, he had a lot more varied strikes. You know, he was throwing a lot more than Ben. Ben had a lot of big punches, but Ben wasn't utilizing the jab. He was going for bigger overhand rights or trying to jump in the pocket and throw a lead uppercut. And, you know, he, he had some success. You know, it's not like Andre Orlovsky had a flawless fight here. He was getting tagged up a little bit too. But anytime he got a hit, he returned with three or four punches. And, you know, I, I don't think Andre was putting a lot of mustard behind these. They were just to get in Ben's face, do damage to his face, which he did. He busted him up early and often. And, you know, I think that affected Ben. You know, I think he was he was eating a lot of punches to the face. He was getting bloodied up, nose busted, blood everywhere. And, you know, eventually in the third round, yeah, I think uh, Orlovsky kind of let off the gas a little bit, but still won that round. And and this is probably his best performance. And, and maybe he just felt comfortable fighting Ben, who's a guy he's fought before and beaten. He knew that he could beat this guy. Yeah, well, we also we also got um, him saying that he like they were saying, oh, he 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 met a new boxing coach. Yeah, I heard that too. He met him on vacation, and man, after Diego Sanchez is terrible, terrible corner man who was less qualified than me to be in his corner. I was like, man, I had them. I I had the jokes ready. But his hands look great, man. His hands look really good. Stefan, he was lining. Stefan noted this to me, and I caught it too. He almost lined up that Arlovsky flying knee in that first yeah, round, though, right, Mark? He was thinking about it. Right, Stefan? He was, we almost saw that. He, he didn't quite commit to it. Like, he didn't put his full elevation. Because as soon as he got a little lift, he got a little jab to the face. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I shouldn't do this because I get punched on the way in. I think I, um, remember, I remember watching that or showing it to Mike because I was trying to explain to Mike why – well, like how we got to where we were with Andre Arlovsky. And this was like when he was in strike force. And I was trying to explain that Andre Arlovsky's done. And I remember like I could like I told Mike what to look up. And I was like from the other room, I heard him go, yo, he jumped into that shit. <laughs> Great moment in MMA history, guys. We went to Google Fedor versus Arlovsky. <laughs> I mean, I will say um, I, I, I can't come away too super enthusiastic from this fight, though, because on the inverse end, man did um, – did a uh, big dude did big ben he looked plotting um he, we, we mentioned he came off of a long layoff himself uh we didn't totally know what it was he's definitely not a young buck um that was a plotting plotting mass of humanity um and as good as andre looked big ben looked bad yeah i mean big I ben it's, it's never a good look when like you test positive for something that you don't show up for after any show up after the suspension and look real bad. It's not a good look. It's been a couple fights now since then. He's had two fights. Didn't look good in either one of them. But he's also old. We're 50 fights in. There was an inability in this fight for him to change the game plan. You know, striking was not working. And I think it was in the second or third. He got him clenched up against the cage. And even the commentator was like, okay, this is where this is where Ben needs to do. He's the bigger guy. He needs to wear Andre in the clinch. Make him carry his weight. Try to get a takedown, get on top of this dude, and really kind of make him, you know, make that weight difference really a factor. And he just was not able to do it. He just continued to to think he could land that big shot, and Andre wasn't having it. Good performance by him, but yeah, I agree. Ben didn't look great in this fight. Yeah, he's just, you know, it's one of those things also where, like, he's his own, he runs his own gym. He does never really, I remember when he fought Junior, and it was like a round in, and I'm like, Ben is not going to win this fight if he just stands in front of Junior Dos Santos. And he had no, like, backup plan because he doesn't have the people in his corner or maybe he's just at this point, 
He's 48 fights in, so fuck it. But like, he does not. He's not gonna make a. He's not gonna change course. He just doesn't have that in him. Maybe he doesn't have the people around him to do that. So, I don't. Know. I mean, honestly, that's a. I think a problem in MMA across the board. I don't see a lot of guys changing. Str- really, only the high level people will. See, you'll see like. Remember, like Matt Hume being in Mighty Mouse's corner, telling him exactly what he needs to do to change. You don't see a lot in MMA guys making in in fight adjustments, which is kind of the point of the cornerman. You'd think, but I don't know. Sometimes Diego Sanchez meets a guy with breathing exercises and puts him in his corner, and then then we end up here. Um, Pennington and Irene Aldana was a fun fight. I really enjoyed it. It was pretty much what you expected. I thought uh, we were, talked about it early on. You just put those two uh, women in the cage together. You kind of know what you're going to get. Aldana lost the split. I had Pennington winning. Aldana's commitment to trying to get a leg lock really hurt her because there was spent a lot of time her just being underneath Raquel Pennington, hitting her with, like, hammer fists that were not that strong necessarily. Um, But it was one of those – I mean, I don't know if Irene Aldana is going to – I mean, she won three in a row. I don't know if she's going to be anything more than – Journey woman, I guess. Someone you can just write down for, like, a good fun fight. She's still, you know, she's only 31 years old. She's had 15 fights. But, Steph, you kind of get a real, like, I mean, best case, Matt Brown. Where maybe she gets a couple wins together to make a run at a top five thing. But I don't um, know if she's more, I don't know if we get more than that out of her. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? I, you know, I think that's, you know, fair to come. Like, I, I, I was really high on her coming in just because, um, you know, she had a really great Invicta run. She came in as an undefeated prospect right alongside her teammate, Alexa Grasso. Um, but kind of where I think Alexa's starting to put things together based on her recent performances, um, uh, Aldana, she's kind of stagnated. Um, I think, you know, you said it was a good fight. But uh, from the brief highlights I caught and just how I read the breakdown of the fight, it kind of showed why I was pretty hesitant to pick her anyways, but, you know, wanted to be fun and mix it up while we were doing picks last week because I like uh, Aldon in general. She's got a low fight IQ. Um, she doesn't adjust well. She she can get just get into firefights when she doesn't quite have the power to be punishing. She's I can't even say her top end is Matt Brown. She, she doesn't have that kind of finishing ability. Um, you know, it's not like that people are... It's people are better than her, and she doesn't have really the tools to really take it. You know, like she can outwork you, but her grappling acumen's not totally there. That seems to be a general. I mean, she fought a better camp. version. She bought a much better version of herself, right? Raquel Pennington. Pretty is, much, yeah, yeah. Like you know, little bulldog, right? She's just a tough girl. Is Rocky? Rocky? No, little fight. little bulldog. Okay. Oh no, that's sorry. That's a Felice. Yeah, I called her that because she got the bulldog choke. So I feel like she's she earned that nickname. Anyways, she fights like a bulldog. She's just tenacious, and that's why we like Rocky, right? Um, she fights above her her talent level suggests. But Aldana, she she can't seem to get over that, and I, I don't really think it's there, unfortunately. Well, in fairness to her, we've always talked about how hard it is to look good against Raquel Pennington. The only person I'll say for sure looked good fighting her was Amanda Nunes, who's the greatest female fighter ever. Irene, I wouldn't say look bad. I mean, it was a, it was a fun fight. It was just a brawl. She's very <laughs> Leslie. She's Leslie Smith. If there's she's, anything for me to say about it, is like again, is just I've recommended this for Alexa, and even if like they could use a change of scenery, I don't think their camp is good enough for this level. Um, they just I mean, don't seem to be making strides in any areas. Yeah, we'll see. It's a thin division, so anybody who strings a couple together. 
Um, I think who do you say is the, probably the number one contender at 135? Jermaine. Jermaine's probably number one contender at 135. And 145, we're going to find out who the number one contender is this weekend. Um, yeah, there's a lot of decisions on this card. Um, the ones I saw weren't that bad, to be honest. Some of the knockouts, quite frankly, weren't as exciting as the decisions, if I'm being straight with you. Um, yeah, I, you said that. You made a good, fair point, Bob. Just because a decision doesn't mean a bad fight. But when it's this many consecutive decisions, they all blur together. You don't yeah. remember what's a good fight when you have this many decisions in a row. We went to one. I want to see if it's on the list of the ones that have tied the record. Because Mike and I, I don't know if Mike remembers this, but we went to UFC. The one where John Jones won the belt, 128. It's not. It didn't break these records. But I remember there was a lot of decisions on that fight. And we were just kind of sitting there for like a good like three hours where nothing fucking was happening. And I think I this is before I remember uh, almost falling asleep a few times during the event. Yeah, I remember we were there with our buddy Sal and our seats weren't good. And I'm like, he's not having a good time. And I'm like, hey man, I'm not having a good time either. <laughs> like nothing. I mean, I'm looking at that card. That was only like five decisions to start or like in a row. Sometimes like, it's good to say like, look, I'm a fan of this and I think it sucks, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you need to They're not all good. You being bored is not because you don't know what's going on. This shit is just not fun right now. Hey, man, this is, it doesn't mean you don't understand the sport. There's plenty of basketball games I watch where I'm like, this isn't good. This is not – I'm not having a good time. And you're born consistently in basketball. I don't even care if it's close. That doesn't make this good. Just because it's close, it doesn't mean it's good. Um, all right. Um, some news from this week. Some fucking disgusting news from Abel Trujillo. We won't be seeing him for a while. Um, hopefully, if ever in this sport, um, if justice is right. That was not a good story. I remember we talked about that dude and like, man, he went from being gangbangerish to Kundalini yoga. Well, that shit took a turn the other direction. Um, Johnny Bones is maybe in trouble. Whatever he wants to fight in December. If he's fighting in December, sure, whatever. Um. Miles Jury signed with Bellator, I saw. Uh, gonna fight Bendo, which is not necessarily the fight I'm looking for. When a guy goes to Bellator, I'd like to see him fight Bellator people, which I guess Bendo is at this point, Stefan, as you put made the point, but I don't know. Give him Michael Chandler, maybe. I mean, they'll get to each other, Bobby. There's six guys. Did, is Miles Jury do anything for you guys at this point? Not to write a guy off, but he kind of disappeared real quick after, I think Cerrone whooped his ass, and there was like He's very similar to another guy we talked about earlier, and that's uh, Vic. Um, they look good. They had good hands. They had good boxing early, but they just kind of got exposed the deeper into the water they got. They, they had holes in their striking defense that neither of them ever sh- like shored up, and maybe that's just the upward limits of them as fighters. This is what I need from these other MMA organizations. Amir Sadala. Where um, is Amir fucking Sadala? Okay. Assume he retired, right? <laughs> I don't know, but he was the best MMA follow on Twitter for a hot minute. He ended six and five. And oh, you know what that means? He did not want to get that fifty-fifty record. He's like, I'm on top right now. I'll see you later. He he literally he had a lot of injury issues. Um, he he had zero he had zero fights before he got to Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, I remember that. Was interesting. What was his? What was his? Uh, he had that Twitter handle that was excellent. 
He had one. I, you say his Twitter handle was excellent, Bobby. He has one tweet that I remember. What but was that it? one tweet? Was that one tweet was fucking gold? It was. Um, I believe it went as such. It was. I hate it in porn when girls leave their socks on. And now that you know was that. that was a good one. Yo, he was holla at Sadala, and I was like, that's a good handle. I'm not gonna hate on that at all. And then he used to do some Persian. Hey, look, he was Iranian. That's all I had for a while. I had him and the other guy who was lying about his age. Um, I don't have anybody now. What am I talking about? Uh, uh, the guy who came out to blame it on the alcohol. Um, oh, Kamal Shalarus. Yeah, yep. he was on that card. Mike died laughing when he came out to blame it on the alcohol. He was literally lying about his age. He was really like 48. He's saying he was 38 instead. No, that is a big difference, man. Yeah, he was. Not even any Dominicans uh, have done some shit like that. Hey, man, that Kamal happens sometimes. Shalarus. He is a famed uh, part of It's an Amazing History because he's like one of the handful of uh, Wikipedia's pages that I edited and that did not get corrected. I was going to say, I'm... <laughs> no one, no, mo no Wikipedia moderator bothered to undo my submissions for Kamal Shah. Oh, the son of a bitch. They got rid of world class. Like, that was the it. nickname we gave for him. It was there for like three years. So. Yeah, that was the best. I'm going to chalk that up as a win. Yeah, he's 41 years old, my ass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's not 41 years old. <laughs> um, all right. Um, let's talk about this pay-per-view. And the only explanation I can give you guys to why this pay-per-view is as bad as it is. Because I don't see any injuries or fights lost or anything here. There is nothing on TV sports-wise. Straight up. There's nothing happening right now. We are. It is too early to care too much about baseball. Basketball's over. Football's at least a month away. There's no college basketball or college football. Stefan, this is what I got. This is the only way you try to get people to pay for this. Because the UFC's been pretty good about putting two title fights on all these pay-per-views. And then somebody gets hurt and yada, yada, yada. But they built this thing from the ground up with this trash. What's you, what do you got? That's what I got. <laughs> I mean, holy boxing pay-per-views, Batman. Yeah, this, it's the classic. Two, you know, a main title fight, a lesser title fight, and nothing of value on the undercard. I agree. It, it's a slow period. Well, you know what? It's um, not even a title fight. It's just that she's expensive. Cyborg's just expensive. <laughs> could be. I mean, uh, Mark kind of joked about it when we were talking, like, off-air and prep, but, like, how many times have we said, if you just combine these two cards that are very near each other in proximity... We actually might have one decent card, but um, they just got too many events. I hope going. I mean, did they? I know they announced their calendar for the next year. Like with ESPN, is it up? Is it down? Is it the same? It's like it's like forty. It's, it's like it's like forty three events. It's just it's just too many. There's too many. Yeah, honestly, and just the thing. If you want to do a bunch of cards like last weekend, or like ESPN Plus, where it has like one or two fights, you put a bunch of prospects because you got a big deep card. Okay, that's fine. But these are the things I look forward to at the pay-per-views. And this just seemed like a way, like, I wonder if we can get people to pay for another fucking pay-per-view. And ESPN Plus is just like, sure, we want people to watch. Maybe we'll get some people to pay 60 bucks for this thing. I like I like the main event a lot. I think the the, sec, the co-main events are, is what it is for that division. And the third fight, we're, gonna pick, we're picking exactly three fights. Because beyond that, what the fuck's going on with this card? We fought about the third fight, too. <laughs> Yeah, there was an actual the argument fight, nearly we like, about we this. Like, I don't know if this is worthy of picking. We don't even know these guys that well, but we got to make it. We got to do something. And look, man, we got one guy who's got five wins in a row. It's the only reason we could justify it. 
Anyway, yeah, I mean, but we're all gonna pick that one guy because it's like yeah, we're all picking the same. Pick we're all we're all prospect. Let me straight with you guys, folks. In these picks, it's gonna be a quick fucking pick them because we're all picking the same thing in all three fights. Yeah, I don't all think right? there's gonna be a lot of deep no. in here unless someone wants to just take an L for just honestly. The, the Felicia Spencer is the one where I'm just like, well, she ran through Megan Anderson really well, but that means nothing. Um. Anyway, Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar, a fight that we probably. Expected to, I mean, I think it was booked about three different times and different things happened. Frankie Edgar has deserved this title shot probably for a while now. You know that because the man has not fought uh, since last April. The person who probably deserves this title shot more than him is uh, Volkanovsky. Everybody pretty much agreed there. Um, the guy who beat Chad Mendez and Jose Aldo. That That's... I'm saying Frankie Edgar never beat Jose Aldo. Just putting that out there. And he beat Chad Mendes like four years ago. But Frankie Edgar's coming to this fight on a one-fight win streak, beating Cub Swanson for the second time back at UFC Fight Night Barbosa versus Lee in Atlantic City, New Jersey. I think he got hurt somewhere in the middle there, um, you'd think. Um, he was going to fight Zombie back in November, but uh, he got hurt. Max Holloway, last time we saw him fight was at 155 where Dustin Poirier just got the jump on him early in that first round. And then Max couldn't turn it around. Um, he lost that fight for the interim title. Um, he lost four rounds to one. Came back at some point, put up a fight, but Dustin really was showing how much he'd improved. Um, Max back at 145. We're talking about two of the guys. If you look at the most significant strikes landed in UFC history, we're looking at two of the top four. Max Holloway's got the most all-time with 1,808 significant strikes landed. Mac, uh, Frankie Edgar's number four at 1,463. In the middle there, we got Bisping and Cerrone. Betting line for this one is probably pretty one-sided to Max Holloway, Steph, right? Uh, yeah, second biggest favorite on the card. Um, like you said, it, there's not a lot of... Uh variation coming up on this one but minus 400 to the champ and plus 325 to the challenger um i'm imagining we're all picking max holloway so i'm gonna say i'm picking max holloway and i want to say the only thing that worries me is that we asked max holloway I mean, they asked max holloway to make 145 one time and then he was on tv getting interviewed sounding half drunk and then they pulled his fight against brian ortega when they were going to fight the first time i know this because i was in las vegas Trying to go to that fight. I do not like Max's big ass fighting at 145 necessarily. Because he's getting older. But I'm still picking him. Anybody else got even a little bit of hesitation? I do. I fuck. Yeah. I love that betting line for Frankie Edgar. I was want to the money on that. Are you picking Frankie Edgar? No. I mean, okay. it's minus 320. But that's a... Because honestly, um, my only concern with this fight, I mean, I think Mac, I think the world of Max, um, I, his stock did fall a little bit losing to Dustin, right? I mean, we saw that he's beatable, um, but he he, can't, he he fought another fighter that fights a lot like him. Frankie doesn't fight a lot like Dustin Poirier. One, he doesn't have the reach, um, but two, Frankie's really good at mixing in the takedowns, and I'm that's the one thing I'm kind of hesitant at. I looked through Max's record, looking for those wrestlers that would have really tested that takedown defense. Didn't come up with a lot of guys. Hasn't really fought a lot of wrestlers. That's not to say that he's going to have issues with the takedown, but I think when you kind of get in to how can Frankie put this fight in places where Max might not be super great, is like, oh, if he can take him down consistently and just control the flow of the match that way, he might be able to get something done. All I'm saying is I'm not sleeping on Frankie, and minus 320 
it's i mean i i don't know i don't know if i totally agree with those odds but uh he would be it would be the largest gap between time gap between title wins uh ever i think the record is currently vitor belfort's yeah because I mean, he because he won the tournament and then he won the lightweight light heavyweight title like Seven years later or six years later or some shit like that. This is seven years. Long story short. From when Frankie took the belt off of um, BJ Penn in Abu Dhabi in April of 2012. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think... I'm sorry. 2010. I don't think he's going to get it done. I'm not picking him. But I see an avenue where Frankie has has a skill that I just haven't seen Max have to fight against. Right? You really look at the guys Max has fought. There's, there's no Chad Mendes on there. There's not even a lot of guys that really would say wrestling is a key background. So I, I don't really foresee the wrestling being a super issue for Max, but if Frankie's able to get in with a couple punch strikes like he does and then shoot a double and gets Max down early and he's able to consistently do that, I see an avenue where this guy can win. I think it's, it's a fairly big upset, but I, I think it's possible. I'm going you with know, Max. I think he's got it. But Yeah, I mean, Stefan, we also got the fact that Frankie Edgar finally, that chin finally, he finally got cracked. That was against Ortega. He got put out. We hadn't seen Frankie Edgar after all the abuse, after Max Gray Maynard dribbling his head off the mat, after all these dudes, you know, hitting him in the head. Five rounds, I mean, ten, ten rounds with Jose Aldo. He came back and fought a guy he beat again. He beat already once. It wasn't like he, yeah. he didn't answer a lot of questions after that. Bobby, let me come in, man. You don't need this much setup for us all to be on the same side of the thing. So I'm coming in. We're all taking Max, but I'm coming in to disparage everything Mark just said. Um, I'm calling it the transitive property of MMA, baby. Brian Ortega absolutely obliterated Frankie. And fucking, I picked him in the match, but Max Holloway obliterated the shit out of Brian Ortega. Now, you don't think of Brian Ortega as a power wrestler. I get, I get, you know, he doesn't have that background when Mark's talking about the Mendezes of the world. Brian Ortiz, that's it. Ortega, sorry, uh, is one of the best grapplers in the division. Um, he may not be a traditional wrestler, but his takedowns are very strong. His trips are very strong. His um his, his whole grappling regiment. He's arguably one of the best grapplers in MMA. And he tried with Max. Couldn't get anything on Max. Max shucked him off, punished him with combination punches every single time. And I think Ortega has a better chin than Frankie at this point. I, I can't see Frankie getting in on this. He lacks reach. He lacks power. Um, he's going to get eaten alive even if he wants to go in for a shot. I think this is over fast. Um, I think Max is going to beat him, but I'm not sure about fast. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think I need to add any more insight as to what you guys said. You said it very aptly. So I'm going with Holloway in this one. And UFC has to be pretty happy that you know one of the champions started a uh, an internet craze that's been uh, going around for the last few weeks. Did he start it? I don't think he started it. Nah, there's no way he didn't start. He's the first one I ever saw doing it. He was the first uh, one I saw do it, but I'd be surprised if he started I don't think he started it. Max is just on top of this shit. Um, Mike, I was asking if you thought Max was going to finish him. I don't know if he'll finish him. I think it's going to go the full five rounds. I think that Holloway will be able to get his shots in, but I think that Frankie will be spending a majority of the time trying to take Max down, but Max will be able to keep it on the feet. So I think it will be a lot of stalling on the cage. Man, Frankie doesn't shoot that much, man. I don't know. I, think, I mean, Mark, you guys can be right, but Frankie is not shooting a lot these days. I haven't seen Frankie shoot heavily on a guy in, like, I don't know, his last person he did that to. He did it a lot to, like, the, the third BJ Penn fight, but, like, I don't know. I mean, maybe 
Frankie been dancing around people throwing jabs for eight years. But man, I just guess like Poirier really took the shine off Holloway for you three then. Because um, I know this I'm, is I'm not a, even, I, I, this no. is not even close. To no, me. I got Max. I think Max is putting him out inside of three rounds. Well, look at this but, is what's going to happen. Okay, we're going to serve up a big meal of our words. All right. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to slather that with some sweet and sour sauce and eat them up. But Stefan, get that sauce ready, bitch. Because if Frankie Edgar pulls this off, you're you should probably pick him. Four course meal of those words you got to go. You, sh- you, sh- you should probably pick him. Come on, Mark, you, you, you defend the guy, but you can't. You don't actually want to ride. With I, 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 I presented an argument so, so that when he wins, I can come back next week and be. You like, know what? Honestly, oh, I'm more likely at this point. I'm more likely. I was more likely to pick Felicia Spencer than I was to pick Max uh, Frankie I know. Edgar. Oh, that was the other way. Yeah, um, I'm not going to. Let's talk about it. Um, Chris Cyborg, we haven't seen her since uh, Amanda Nunes put her down in. Was it 30 seconds? Something like that. Um, Felicia Spencer is a clean 1-0 in the UFC. I'm not going to lie to you and say I watched any of those Invicta fights. But I did watch her uh, pretty much handle Megan Anderson. She is very much a grappler. She has... uh, That's how she wins this fight, man. she got a Taekwondo black belt, but that shit don't work against Cyborg. Cyborg will bulldoze her ass with the Muay Thai. She needs to get her on the ground and choke. Cyborg's a good grappler too, allegedly. I mean, I know she. No one's as, was as big as her. All right, that's what we got. Felicia Spencer is five foot six, one hundred forty-five pounds. She's fought at one hundred fifty-five pounds too. Um, I don't know how she pulls this off. Short of she gets her down and gets a throw some legs up, gets a triangle. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. My the shine hasn't worn off that much for me on, on Chris Cyborg yet. Granted, she's 34 years old. She's done been doing this a while now. But Amanda Nunez, 51 seconds. I still got Cyborg. Stefan, what do you think? Minus 680, this Cyborg. That's yeah. uh, she, She's the favorite of the card. Um, yeah, I, I, I picked her demise previously to uh, take the crown from Mike, um, as we like to rub it in from time to time. But uh, I, can't, I, can't see, I can't see Cyborg losing this one. Um, to be clear, I really hope she does. And it's not like a malicious thing as much as I need somebody else to get a fucking win in this weight class. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, if I'm to go back and part of why I believed Nunez could beat Cyborg is Nunez has really crisp boxing and she has really punishing power. Because um, the thing that always sucked to me about Cyborg was her venture into kickboxing when she got kicked in the dome, which told me she's not that great of a striker. She's a wild power striker and she can overwhelm the majority of her opponents, but show her... Like I think the avenue to uh, beating Cyborg is being a better striker than her. I I haven't seen anyone apply the grappling one yet. Um, yeah, I mean she had. I mean, in fairness, she did get. She has gotten much better because I remember when she first started, it was sloppy as hell. Jason Perlo did a lot of good work with her in her hands, but uh, maybe you're right. I mean, I don't know. The girls of Taekwondo. I mean, what does what does Felicia got here? Um, what does her wins? A lot of submissions, if I'm not mistaken. She's got four submissions and seven wins, one knockout. So. She's got a, she's got a lot of chokes, man. She got four rear naked chokes. Mark, are we gonna see a rear naked choke from Felicia Spencer? I'd be pretty surprised, but I was kind of surprised in Chris Cyborg's last fight. So, uh, I mean, the aura is gone at this point, right? We we saw her get smashed, uh, and I think what's tough with this Felicia fight is that she has a very different style than Amanda Nunes um, has. You know, I, I think Steph's right in the degree that you know we've seen high caliber fighters specifically strikers beat chris cyborg we just haven't seen anyone out grapple her and she's a pretty good grappler um 
And more so than that, I mean, she knows her P's and Q's, but she's also just really strong. And it's hard for a lot of these girls get, to get takedowns and initiate that game plan. Um, so I, I do think Chris is going to win this fight. I, I also have to imagine that she, unless she's mentally just broken from that loss to Amanda Nunes, which I wouldn't be completely shocked. That was a beating of a magnitude that only Chris Cyborg usually gives her opponents. Um, but I have to imagine that she wants to to regain some of what she lost in that last fight and putting a beating on this girl Felicia is how she's going to be able to do that. So I think she's going to win this fight. Um, it, There's I, one fight left on that contract. She better fucking win. I, I would be fairly shocked not knowing much about Felicia. She's able to also ground Cyborg and, and choke her. That would be a pretty impressive win. You know, I still hold Chris. Like, like you said, Bob, uh, the shine hasn't completely worn off. It's more so... Chris Cyborg took a little bit of a bump, and Amanda Nunes just skyrocketed like, oh, shit, this is the best female fighter of all time, hands down. That's kind of my take on her at this point. So here's the thing, Mike. Um, I don't – I'm going to say this disrespectfully or anything, but I don't need a seek. I'm kind of done. I don't need – Cyborg fighting, I'm kind of good. Like if she's gone, she's gone at this point for me. Uh, where are you with that? Just your opinion. Maybe it's just me. Like, I'm just, I don't care. I, I've I watched her just demolish girls for, when did she beat Gina Mark? 09? <laughs> I don't know. A long time. Some of that? Like, I watched her demolish. Sounds about right, actually. I watched her demolish girls for nine years. I was in the arena when Stefan and I thought we watched her murder a woman. I'm not, I mean, I guess it'd be cool to watch her fight Nunes again. But is anything, does, does she do anything for you anymore, man? Yeah. Um, you all know I'm. You know, you all know I'm a very big pro proponent on squash matches, and Cyborg outside of her Amanda Nunes fight, she's always good for that. She's always good to obliterate the soul of a another poor, fully sus fully suspecting 145er. You know, the last time she got knocked out before the Nunes fight was in that kickboxing fight. She came back and strung together a large. Uh, large number of dominant victories you know she got knocked out by one of the greatest uh, female fighters ever that's not something to be really ashamed of uh she is i think still the clear number two in in this division so yeah i'm still interested to see her just destroy a girl yeah why not yeah and i think i think bob kind of like what you were mentioning too i i, I would be more with you if we didn't see chris cyber get better along the way right because like that's like true. said she was just i mean she didn't have a lot of opponents that were on her level but we saw her her mental game in the fight game got better she got better at strategizing not just going berserker because she could have right she could have just stayed the same fighter she was and a lot of fighters do you have a winning formula I, i'm a berserker i go in there and i smash these girls because they can't keep up with the intensity i bring and she got with a different coach and she and they basically taught her like Yo, you're more dangerous when you pick your spots and explode than just having a concussion, just like grenade, 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 grenade. And just one of those is going to do the damage. Just being able to be more of a sniper instead of a dude just lobbing the explosives out there had made her a better fighter. And we finally got to see someone beat her. And at this point, I kind of agree with you, Bob. It's like she, she had such a long run. Like, I don't think her legacy is going to be tarnished that much. She owned a division forever. I mean, there wasn't a lot of competition there. But I'm, I'm not against seeing her and Amanda Nunes run it back one more time. Just because, one, there's not a lot of, you know, bodies at 45. She had Amanda Nunes has a belt she has to defend. And I'm still interested in that fight. 
I, I want to see if Amanda Nunes can do it again because I have to imagine Chris Cyborg is going to make some adjustments. She made some pretty big mistakes in that first fight, especially when she got hurt. I don't think she's ever gotten hurt in a fight before. And she kind of just relied. She went back to Berserker. She got hurt yeah. and she's like, fire fight. Here we go. I'm throwing down. And that wasn't the right move. She needs to learn like, okay, when I'm hurt, I need to clinch up. I need to buy some time. I need to get my faculties back in line and then reassess and, and go after it again. Um, and, I, and she has the coaching staff behind her that I think she can make those adjustments. So I'm still intrigued to see that fight. But like you, Bobby, almost like when Gina Carano or Ronda Rousey, you know, when they end up losing, it's like, look, at you, you did a lot for this sport. You dominated. You had your kind of era. And if you're done, hey, more power to you. You, you prove to yourself to me. You know, I have no doubts that Chris Cyborg is, a, is one of the best female fighters of all time, hands down. I think Manon Nunes is better. Um but yeah, if she decided to hang it up, I'd be totally happy. But yeah, she still wants to fight. I'm down to see it. She better get a win here. Honestly, the bullshit with her management and Dana White is not the is not worth the, all these fucking headlines. The end product for me. She Dana White. For yeah, I just don't give a shit. I don't. I don't get enough out of that. The end of the tunnel is not like Nate and da- Nate Diaz and Dana going back and forth, or Nate Diaz, or even like Dana and like Connor or Dana. Anybody in one of the seventy fighters Dana beefs with. Even Dana and Stipe. Stipe hasn't fought in a year. At the end of the time, I'm like, yeah, man, Stipe's fighting. Awesome. It's I'm not like that. She's not. Right. I, she's not like. There's, she's been fighting. It's been so. The whole story has, has been just her. And we never got her and Ronda. And now we got her and Amanda. And Amanda. And like, she's fought like. The two best people she's fought are Chris Cyborg or, or Holly Holm and Amanda Nunes. And she lost th- two rounds to Holly Holm in a fight that I don't remember at all. We've talked about this a bunch. I don't remember that fight. Yeah. And then the other one's Amanda Nunes. And those girls are the only ones, even in the zip code of her size, that she's fought. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it's not like I'm trying to tarnish everything she does. I just kind of, I got the story now. She was bigger than everybody, and she smashed all them. And there was, the, the boogeyman was found. Yeah. And I it mean, was in Amanda Nunes. I get your point, Bob, and I actually agree with it. It's just like with these other guys, like your Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor, these guys that have these contract disputes which they end up not fighting for a long time it makes it worthwhile because you know when we finally see them it's it's worth the wait it was worth the wait. but the problem with chris cyborg is that like you're gonna have this whole long drawn out she wants so much money because she's she was you know the best in the division it's just like well when you finally get her it's just like who's she gonna fight to make it worth all that money i mean look i would have taken any title i mean look it's not fair to put it like this but like any literally any title fight i would have taken over this fight any weight class. You could have given me fucking Benavidez versus a flyweight for an interim title. I would have preferred that over this fight is what I'm getting at. Because her smashing people was more – Was at this point, I saw her lose. That's part of it. Right. Yeah. I saw it happen. Anyway, we've been going on a rant here for a while. Uh, this fight pick's going to be real quick. Jeff Neal um, and Nico Price. Jeff Neal's been on a fucking tear. Um, just bulldozing people. He's got five straight wins in – Arguably the UFC's deepest division. Welterweight. They're not giving... I mean, Nico Price is okay, a decent fighter. I was kind of... You kind of think Jeff Neal will get a more of a step up here after five straight wins. Um, but training out of former NBA player Darren Williams' Fortis MMA gym. It's where he trains, actually. Um, last time I remember... Well, I didn't watch his Bilal fight, but I watched him kill Frank Camacho with that head kick. He's a huge favorite, right, Steph? Uh, minus three twenty. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm picking him. Tell us about him, Bob. You well, I mean, honestly, 
he's got really good striking and he's fucking 28 years old. This is kind of what we want in these weight classes. He's a young guy. He's a southpaw. Caused some problems. Nico Price, quite frankly, has a better win, has better wins than he does. Because Nico Price beat Tim Tim Means. Um and he beat, I mean, he got a win over Juban, a Juban. Got cut, by the way. Just putting that out. No, did he get cut or did or Theodoro got cut? One of the handsome guys got cut. Elias got cut, I believe. Elias got cut. Anyway, he's got some wins, man. He's the betting line's a little bit like a little tough, quite frankly, because his one loss in his last four fights for Nico Price was Abdul Razak Al Hassan, who knocks out everybody, um, just ev- everybody. He's I mean, got I get ten wins. Yeah, this is what, I you're, mean, I- what you're selling me on. I know who Nico Price is. He's a journeyman. He's a journeyman MMA guy. He's solid across the board, not spectacular enough to ever be taken seriously as like a real contender or future prospect. Yeah. You're selling me prospect versus journeyman right now. So yeah, basically. This, I mean, I- for the lineup, for the line to make sense, I'm expecting a finish. I'm expecting yeah. I mean, I was gonna out. say that he better knock him out. I mean, you guys got anything to add, or you expect a fucking knockout if this guy is gonna be this high up on the card? Nope, I'm with you. I always take the prospect. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I I mean, look, this other fight here, the, the fourth fight on the card, I love Olivier Aubin Mercier, mostly for his quirkiness, and I like that his nickname is the Canadian Gangster, and he comes out with a porn stash and a fucking fanny pack on board with all that. And, like, he's fighting this 22-year-old that I might need to pay attention to one day, but Jesus Christ, this shouldn't be on pay-per-view. And I don't know who the fuck Jotko's fighting at all. The guy's, like, 28 years old. And then we got... Uh, three, two people I know, Alexis Davis, Hakeem Dewadu, both of them fighting people with no Wikipedia pages. Eric Koch, who might be the person who's third or fourth most known person on this undercard. I mean, I, I mean fourth, third or fourth most known person after the main top two fights. He's fighting on Fight Pass. I don't know what is this card. I won't be ordering it. I know what it is. It's a bad card. It's a bad card. And this is going to be one of those ones watches. a contractual obligations card. Do you know what I like? This is one of those ones that's going to have like seven finishes and Dana White's going to be like, yeah, man, the media was shitting on this card. Yeah, because you didn't build up any of these fucking people. That's your, your, you didn't promote, fuckface. That's why I'm not going to, if you would convince me that Marc-Andre Barinalt and Armin Sakurian are, are fucking worth a damn, maybe I'd be, you know, Maybe I'd be more excited. Have, or maybe I've seen one commercial on ESPN about how great fucking Felicia Spencer was. I have some sympathy where it's like, okay, the UFC has like 800 dudes. You can't really mix them all together where it's always going to be compelling, but we're paying money for this one. We get a lot of other shit for basically free or some streaming service. Was I mean, we literally don't complain about what you guys put on ESPN Plus or ESPN. Well, but the paper reviews. They've, made, <laughs> they've created their own standard, right? All the other... Yeah. Pretty much all the other pay-per-views this year have contained at least two title fights, and at least the main card has been somewhat compelling. And this just kind of drops the ball. And we've- well, here's the thing: like those other ones, we lose fights. I remember, like we had there was a pay-per-view that ended up being headlined by Izzy. It was Izzy and Anderson, but that's because we lost Bobby Knuckles and Kelvin Gastelum the night before. Like on paper, this was always this shitty of a card. And and like it's just it's just too many cards they can't all be winners and you know we get a pay-per-view like this once or twice a year where it's just like this is clearly just not really worth your money i mean and it sucks because max holloway is worth your money like when he's on a card you should 
I love watching Max hard, fight. But it's really hard when it's just like, I'm really going to be paying 60 bucks to watch Max Holloway probably pretty handily beat Frankie Edgar. And if it goes the way Stefan thinks it's going to go, it's like, you're not even worth paying that because he's just going to demolish him. And it's like, I really paid $60 to see just a, a beatdown. This is more ESPN. ESPN. You know what it is, man? The, the other fights don't have consequence. There's no consequence to me missing any of these fights except the top two. There's no consequence at all. Uh, it, thing is, I, I think the, the standard for the pay-per-view is should be title fights and divisionally relevant. Um, yeah. That's that's the standard for a pay-per-view, in my opinion. Yep. Like it should be top ten matchups that move the needle in where a guy is one or two fights away. You know, if they're not the I next mean, contender, they're they're in the damn line. Well, here's fucking real quick. The next pay-per-view. Main event, Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic. Co-main event, Anthony Pettis, Nate Diaz. Yoel Romero, Paulo Costa on that card. You got fucking, like, you got Derek Brunson on the card. You got, I know all these motherfuckers. Rafael Asuncao is on this card. Marina, I know all the people on this card. Okay, within reason. Like, come on, man. Do better. And look, I think it's literally because they're like, fuck it, we can get away with this. Nothing's on TVs. The, uh, there's enough MMA fans who will buy anything. That is the beauty of the summer, no? All there is is baseball. This is the dead zone. July is the dead zone. Um, all right. Um, stuff we like in a second. Just real quick, and I'm pretty sure I speak for Mike on this one. Tell me if I don't. I strongly recommend you wa- you just Google um, Dan Levitard and watch the video clip that will come up probably on Deadspin or any of these fucking stories you read about what Dan Levitard said. And I just want to say that every single word that man said was 100% the truth. And I fully support, and I think Mike does as well, everything he said in that regard. Uh, I agree with you that everything he said is 100% correct. I will have to disavow myself from you and say I 100% support his right to say it. Because if him saying that means... He has to leave ESPN, and I, I don't get the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gatz anymore between 10 a.m. And, and 1 p.m., then no, I don't like it. I'm sorry. Steph, I love his show. Steph, what I learned living on the East Coast with these guys, ESPN radio as a national radio uh, sports radio platform is a way bigger deal on the East Coast. It's like not even like nobody here gives a shit, and we wonder how people like Colin Cowherd still exist. It's entirely the East Coast. They don't have a KMBRs and stuff over there. They don't have um, local sports radio. It's interesting. I, I don't listen to a lot of sports radio, period. Um, yeah. But ESPN Radio did sometimes take over 1050, depending on uh, what the game was here on the West Coast. So, um, they, you know, I, I was aware of ESPN Radio. This yeah. is not my personal thing. Um, I'm out. I'm actually out of the loop with this one, fellas. I, I can't really contribute an opinion on this one. Yeah, no, it's just um, he said some stuff about... Look, we've, we had enough podcasts where we went on the end and talked about how much of a piece of shit the president was. So you guys can just like look back about, you know, how we feel about this stuff. And he talked about the president being overtly racist. No, that ESPN. president racist over there. And, yeah, in case and, you guys are wondering specifically what Dan Levitard's, um All right, sure. Go ahead. Speech was about it was uh, it was the day after Trump had, had the rally, if I'm right, in probably, I think, Michigan. I think it's South um, Carolina. Okay, I, I, I was only off by like a thousand miles. Uh, well, he was having a rally where he was speaking about the uh, the four congressmen that have been giving him some some issues. The squad, know, the squad. 
he was in front of his racist audience and they started chanting send her back and he and he, and he waited a full 12 seconds to just bask in the send her back send them back um chant and hey, only did only didn't start speaking again until the chant started to die down and uh dan levitard gave a pretty impassioned speech about how if you don't feel that that's racist then essentially there's something wrong with you or you're complicit well really uh, i mean the, his the, words the real takeaway was him talking about the lack of courage from yes everyone sports, else in the, the, party? The, the sports media and yeah, how and, the and specifically specifically his employer espn yeah because he talked about how after the whole jameel hill thing they have a real no politics thing going on unless they can hide behind a meat shield as he put it like russ like if colin kaepernick says something we can hide behind that but anyway um i was gonna say check it out or don't or ignore everything we just said um stuff we like i finally watched the final half season of unbreakable kimmy schmidt and I love it with Bobby with the late TV reviews, just like me with the late movie reviews. Yeah, What's up, Bobby? but I don't, I don't, I don't know how late I am. I want to say at least four months. Um, and uh, I just want to say I wasn't the biggest heroes guy, so I maybe this guy is capable of this, and I never caught it. I only know, mostly know the guy from being playing Spock. I'm talking about Zachary Quinto. Um, he was so good playing a competing um talent agent on unbreakable kimmy schmidt i was laughing my ass off at everything he was doing he had a real jack donaghy vibe too made me happy that show ended it had its final six seven episodes i think it ended well for a show that i think was kind of petering out towards the end here the past couple seasons i thought it ended fairly strongly and you got what you wanted with all the you got all you wanted from kimmy and titus and uh lillian and Jacqueline, you got everything you wanted and how their stories went. So since, I really enjoyed it. If you're a fan of the show, the season, the series ends well, basically. Since you kind of introduced it, Bob, saying you knew him from Heroes, uh, I'm one of those people that begrudgingly watched all of Heroes and boy, was he did funny? I, uh, did I, I, just, I just felt like, man, was that a sunk cost of my time and attention span? Uh, there were a billion things wrong with Heroes. Zachary Quinto was not one of them. Was he? Was, he I didn't know he was capable of such comedy, though. He was so good. He, uh, was he wasn't super comedic in it, but I've seen him do comedy in the past. He 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 has a he has solid timing. Yeah, he was. I was very impressed. I made and look. I I'm I look forward to if he ever ends up in a comedic any role at all. But anyway, um, what do you got this week, stuff? Um, yeah, I got something on Netflix, and uh, it actually segues perfectly into what I really want to talk about this week. Um, so I finished season three of Kim's Convenience on Netflix. Um, that's a little Canadian little sitcom. It's not, you know, busting sides, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a wholesome little sitcom that I've, I've enjoyed, um, you know, about kind of the Asian... Oh, I was about to call it Asian-American, but technically Asian-Canadian, because I believe they're in Toronto. But um, why it's relevant, and, you know, I recommend the third season to check it out if you've checked out any of it before, but primarily it's relevant because uh, one of the main leads of it, Simu Liu, um, he, j he just got the break of his career with Comic-Con. Um, we found our motherfucking Shang-Chi. Uh, we got our superhero Bruce Lee. Um, and what I'm talking about is Comic-Con was this past weekend, and Marvel owned the weekend. Marvel absolutely dominated all the media cycle that came out of Comic-Con, um, you know, with the movies. Uh, there was another big headline, and I'm going to throw this in there, with a fucking shame, three rings of the shame bell to Benioff and Weiss 
who said they were gonna, you know, go to the, attend their trial, and then in the last like day before they pulled out, like we're not gonna talk about the fans. They ran an incredibly scripted, um, like just whole conference room with the Game of Thrones people. Um, people showed video. The guy moderating it, he did a uh, interview with all the same cast members for Vogue. Asked all the same questions. Um, did not allow any fan questions. Like, I found it really fucking disrespectful for the fans. I, they knew what they were getting into, right? Um, and that was their way of doing damage control. But, you know, in trying to save face, that becomes a story in itself. So um, whatever media spin they were trying to do with this thing, it, it backfired. Um, Game of Thrones has continued. Shout to out to Seth Rogen. Um, Shout out to Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seth Rogen went viral just for simply mentioning it. He didn't really say anything, right, Bob? He said, I'm happy. He says, I'm happy to talk about whatever shows you guys want. I think you'll be, then someone has to be more satisfied with the ending of Preacher yeah. than people are with that Game of Thrones. He's like, I'd like to think so. <laughs> I mean, he just mentioned it and he became the hero of the internet. I'm like, he didn't say anything. All he acknowledges that they, being the panel after Game of Thrones, really sucks. That's, you know, no one's here to really watch them at that point. But um, back to Marvel, they essentially announced phase four. And kind of everything that's going on. Basically, they really emphasize the Disney Plus shows, which there was no hesitation, I think, on any of our part that we're getting the streaming. Um, you know, Mark and I have joked in that in the past. Like, I was like, Mark, we should share it. And Mark's like, I don't give a fuck if you want to share it. That shit is bought and paid for. Like, it's happening. But um, it's cool to see that. But, you know, I think we all can agree, uh, you know, chime in on what you guys are most excited about. But uh, they made some big ass announcements for what's happening post. Um, Phase four. Phase four is only going to be the next two years. It's not going to be that long for the other Marvel phases have been. But they essentially confirmed what we all expected and hoped for out of this Fox deal, right? Uh, we're going to get a Fantastic Four. They didn't call it X-Men. They called it Mutants. And that's interesting in itself to me. Um, and fucking mic drop. Mahersha Ali is the new Blade. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Okay. First of all, the original Blade does not get enough respect. Okay. Blade 1, good times. Blade 2, less good times. Blade 3, holy shit. <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, I think you just three explained is... it, Bob. Like, it kind yeah, of I think you explained, why I guess the, you explained why I guess the respect the guts. Man. Yo, tri tri you know like when Triple H used to come out in just a t-shirt and jeans? And then like they put him in the movie wearing just a t-shirt and jeans. With they gave him some contact lenses and uh, some real cheap fangs and like everything else was uh, non-ring attire Triple H. Well, yeah, do you guys I know the meme where it's the guy and he's like, am I a joke to you? That's what Blade is when Black Panther blew up and everyone's like, yeah, the first African-American superhero on Blade is like, am I a joke to you? <laughs> yeah, like, here fuck you, man. A decade ago, what's up? Yeah. We had Chris Christopherson in that movie. We had Dorf in that fucking movie. It was 90s as shit. Yo, a young Sanaa Lathan playing Blade's mom. It's Mike's number one crush all time, folks. Just letting you know. <laughs> so you get living with Mike for two years. Um, I was uh, excited. Is it The Eternals? That's got Paperboy and Kumail Nanjiani in it? And Rob Stark? That's a hell of a cast. That's Yo, just how you, you going to forget Angelina Jolie? That's the least interesting part <laughs> of everything I oh, said. And let's not forget the leader of The Eternals, the ever-beautiful Salma Hayek. Oh, God bless her. Uh, did they say anything about Squirrel Girl? I'm not trying to be funny here. But is Squirrel Girl getting in any of these Bobby, things? I thought they cast her like a year ago. I know Squirrel Girl is my girl. If something went up, I'd be blowing up this no, shit. No, I'm asking. I'm honestly, because like, no, no. they cast her. They cast uh, Milana. I don't she know what's her voice. last name. She was gonna, yeah, they, true, they were but... doing a new Warriors show, and she was, Squirrel Girl was going to be on it, and that got canned. 
but they did Marvel Rising, which was an animated movie, and she did the voice for Squirrel Girl. Uh, I don't want you mentioning Squirrel Girl because that's mine, Bobby. That's just mine. Okay, like actual... I have to be like, I told you I was on that shit from a long ass time ago. Is Squirrel Girl like an actual Marvel superhero? Yeah, she's oh, basically yeah. she was a joke character. But they were kind of like, what if this joke character is just the most badass character of them all? And she beats all the villains. She so, beat Thanos. She beat Doctor Doom all by herself. Didn't need no Avengers with her. She did it by herself. And you know why? Because she's a smart woman. That's really her character. Is mostly always got a superlative, Mike. She is the unbeatable squirrel girl. She's unbeatable squirrel girl. And really, I read her comic. And the best part about it is, one, it's it's funny as fuck. I think it's, it's more funny than uh, Deadpool is. It uh, does the same thing. Breaks the fourth wall. Um, but I mean, honestly, when a lot of the conflict she has, it's mostly like she finds compromise. That's kind of her power is that she finds out like, why are you so upset, villain? What do you ultimately want? Galactus wants to eat a planet. I found you a plant that's full of nuts. Nuts are great. I'm squirrel girl. Eat that planet instead. That's how she solves the problem. It's great. She is probably the, my, I mean, she's easily my favorite female hero. Um, probably just my favorite hero altogether. And I think she's just a great role model for young women to get into comics. And I feel like that is going to come at some point. The comics are too good. The storylines are too fantastic. The The young adult novel is too good. This is a fan, fantastic character. It's going to be the female Spider-Man. just needs to be done right, so they need to take their time with that shit. Um, okay. Sorry, so they didn't So I guess I was honestly asking, but I guess they didn't do anything about it. And uh, okay, Stefan, go. You have anything else you want to say? Because we're somehow at an hour and twenty minutes already. I threw it out to y'all. Uh, fucking uh, Marvel yeah. owned the day. Okay. Thor Mike, and you got... Love and Thor. We got Natalie Portman coming back to the franchise to become Lady Thor. Yeah, see, Mike, that that's my number one all time right there. We're just, just give, we're giving away the plot lines. I think the Doctor Strange one, the Multiverse of Madness, the title alone has me super captivated. Marvel stays owning pop culture. Um, for the years to come, and it, it, Eternals is their new heat check, right? Eternals the is the absolute heat check. Well, the last Guardians heat check, obscure. that was it. <laughs> Guardians was an obscure pull, but I knew a shit ton more about Guardians than I knew about Eternals. Yeah, I mean, all, all I knew about Guardians was that episode Ultimate Spider-Man. That was as, everything as I knew about. That it. has been actively reading main storyline Marvel, like the big Bane event. I've been reading them for the last like three, four years. I don't know fuck anything about these people at all. That's why I'm worried. I mean, I have complete faith. That, I mean, there's no reason for me not to have faith in Marvel. They knock it out of the park every time. Even when I think it's like, oh, this Ant-Man's fucking hard to make entertaining. They kill it. The, Thor 2 is the only one they really dropped the ball. So I, I have no doubts that this is going to be good. But I think this is the the biggest swing they've taken yet. Because I still, even now, I still don't know who these characters are. What they're doing, I guess they're immortal. That's really all I know. Is they don't die. And they're on Earth. And if Paperboy's one of them and Kumail's one of them, you know they're not doing action scenes. So what am I what am I buying a ticket for exactly? Well, we know so far the biggest swing and miss that Marvel's had when it comes to introducing uh not well known characters is in humans, but mm, that one you okay, can't I put agree. on Kev that one you can't put on Kevin Feige. That was actually uh the guy that used to be above Kevin Feige. Who, Loeb, Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb, yeah, that he was really pushing for Inhumans. Kevin Feige didn't want it. And Kevin Feige at some point just gave an ultimatum from right to, I think it was Disney, that said either he goes or I go. So Kev Kevin Loeb, Jeff Loeb, what was his name? Jeff Loeb, Kevin Feige. Jeff Loeb just remained the uh, creative director for the TV side, hence why we got the really shitty Inhuman TV show. 
I like Inhumans. That's not canon. The TV stuff is not canon as far as I'm concerned. Only the Feigeverse is canon. Man, I, I'm, I'm having a rough time getting through Jessica Jones Season 3. Oh, yeah, no one brought that up. I watched the first episode. 40 minutes. I mean, this is boring, and I don't want to finish it. Like, Do you, 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 watch, you watch the second season? I did watch I the second season. I didn't come out of that saying I needed more of this Trish vigilante bullshit. Yeah. I'm just um, saying. Season three is off. I'm not going to finish it. I'm not going to. I'm on episode. End. Honestly, I I didn't know I was. I hadn't finished Kimmy Schmidt. I was watching that and I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, and then I said like, oh, new episodes of Kimmy Schmidt. I'm like, okay, that's, that's where I get it up. Ooh, I gotta watch Punisher season two. We like hard pass on Jessica Jones. Season I'm not three. having a good time in this third season. Mark, what do you got this week? Uh, yeah, I'll keep it short. Stuff I mentioned last week, love it. Uh, comedians and cars getting coffee has been great. Pairs extremely well with Queer Eye. That gets all emotional. You watch the comedians in cars to laugh it up. Uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, I've really been enjoying. I'm super early into it, but it's a flawed game. It's repetitive. Environments are very bland, but if you just want a game where you're playing as those Marvel superheroes that we're so fascinated with, really scratches that. It's, it's, fun, it's fun to play by yourself? Uh, yeah, I've only been playing single player. Um, and yeah, it's mostly just because I am super into just playing as good representations of these characters like just being captain america throwing a shield around banks more points than i think the average person would so i mean hey man, I, think, I played all, i played all those lego marvel games i was thrilled i had the entire goddamn universe that's true and that wasn't even that good to, to be fair the a lot of people would say like the lego lego marvel games had a better story than ultimate alliance 3 which mm -hmm. i'm not super far in but it's pretty generic it's it's just it's just the infinity stones they you play as the Guardians first. They find all the Infinity Stones. A bad guy comes, take all of one of them. The other ones scatter. Now I'm looking for Infinity Stones. I'm very early into it, so I, you know, I, there's still a lot of characters to unlock. But the main selling point has just been playing as these characters is super cool. Having them kind of fall into the story. The, the parts that's interesting about the story is just these characters all meeting up and kind of being like, oh, we have a thing we have to do together. Um, and then there's a lot of systems on the back end that's going to keep the grind kind of interesting. There's so many ways to level up your individual characters, their individual moves, the team as a whole, pairing up individual heroes to make a team combination that gives you buffs. There's a lot of things going on the back end that's kind of interesting, and there'll be a lot of things to collect, and there'll be a reason for you to continue to play. They already announced you're getting, we're getting two free characters in like a month, Cyclops and uh, Colossus, and then the DLC is 20 bucks, and there's going to be four chapters, Marvel Knights, X-Men, and Fantastic Four, which are probably going to induce more characters from those so I, i'm very sold I, I i'm enjoying it a lot but it's a swimming in sevens game as we like to say it is a flawed game it's repetitive the camera has issues you know you're basically just doing a beat-em-up but if you're into marvel like i'm into marvel and just being iron man is a cool selling point then i think you're going to enjoy this game man me and Stefan beat like three of these games yeah i mean i honestly i think at some point <laughs> no and if you don't get it brand <laughs> some new, of them more than once <laughs> yeah on sale this is an easy pickup and i haven't tried online if that stuff works well it could be really fun with friends um yeah if we could play together yeah cool. so actual stuff that it has come out and i ex actually consumed or stuff coming out um I watch. Have you guys ever watched The Lost Boys? This 1987 film. Yeah, Santa yeah. Cruz. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah, isn't, I've never seen that it. Like, uh, like 80s vampires yes. that are like teenagers. Yeah. Yes. So I've never with, seen it with one Jack of, Bauer. Yeah, one of my many blind spots. When Christine found out, it was like, well, you have to watch it now. So I went and bought the DVD from uh, Barnes and Noble, and I had to buy the DVD. I couldn't find the Blu-ray. So um, I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it is a 1987's uh, 87 flick. It is super of the time. But like Steph said, a lot of things early on, I was like, okay, I'm kind of sold. It's in Santa Cruz, which I've been before. You know, it's very close to where we grew up. So I have that connection. 
it's just late 80s as fuck like they're trying to show all these like super edgy teens and it's just like how girls wear their hair now with like the half shaved head and like there's a lot of mohawks that are blue and stuff and they're, they're very much going for a theme and i don't know if you guys remember my favorite part of the movie was early on the kids moved to santa cruz there's a big concert on the boardwalk and it is the most like who who's the brutus beefcake bobby's at the wrestler this brutus yeah. beefcake motherfucker's up there doing his solo he's just jacked as all shit has this big chain necklace my favorite fucking party does a solo it's like saxophone time he does a little <laughs> sax solo i'm just like okay yeah i mean this is like cringy as fuck but it's really fun i really enjoyed it it, it is a it is a kind of zombie flick uh but i really dug it um and then the last thing i kind of want to mention it's kind of like a weird thing uh i'm i've been watching i mean I'm sure we all watch Stephen Colbert late show every now and then. Uh, I've, it's kind of become like a traditional YouTube thing. Um, and then one of the bands that one of the last bands I kind of found out about before I kind of just given up trying to find new music was um, the Mountain Goats, very popular indie band. So it was cool. The Mountain Goats were on the late show, uh, I think like last week or two weeks ago. And I'm not super. They've been around for a long time. I have one of their albums. I really enjoyed it um so steven introduces them and says like oh this is the mountain goats they have a new record they're not going to be singing a song from the new record they're going to be singing my favorite song which is this year which happens to be a song on the one album i know so i'm like fuck i was gonna say i, I know that song i know that song it's really good and i i've been getting kind of a kick of living vicariously through stephen colbert and him just living out his dreams the last couple months because basically he introduces the mountain goats and probably a verse in, he gets a microphone and just sings the song with them. And it's just like, you can tell he's just having the time of his life. This is like, you can tell this is a bucket list type thing that he's checking off. So it's just fun to appreciate a comedian like that and just see them do something that you can tell, like, they've been dreaming about this. This is something like they've wanted their entire lives. And then to also see that a couple months ago, like I mentioned on um, stuff we like, um, Matt Mercer, the DM for Critical Role, did a one-off with Stephen Colbert. And it is just so fun to watch Stephen be like, just gushing over like how much he loved playing D&D as a kid. He hasn't done it in decades. And just him getting back into playing Dungeons and Dragons and learning how everything works and rolling the dice and just seeing his face. It is a kid in a candy store. And just that guy's given me so much joy and laugh. And especially in the last couple of years when politically things have just been hitting the shit it's been nice to turn to him and be like, okay, I'm not insane. This guy has the same viewpoints I do, and he can tell that the shit is just as weird, and it's just like, okay, there's commonality. I'm not alone in thinking the it's, world has gone insane. So to see him have nice, fun has been great. It's nice when, like, um, he, you could tell the show became his own at a certain point. Because, like, Absolutely. he was kind of, like, a meandering at first. This is a tough, that's a tough act to follow. Like, his hero, like, Letterman was, like, his hero. Absolutely. And he had to follow Letterman. And there's a moment where, like, he became his show. And it was really the Trump stuff. He was able to get political. And when it became his show, and you can tell he's in complete command of everything, and people come on his show and, like, play the song he wants to play. Yeah. And shit like that. So, like, I remember, like, Letterman, um, when the Foo Fighters always would come on Letterman. And it didn't matter what the Foo Fighters were selling. Letterman wanted to hear fucking Everlong. Okay. Because that's his favorite song. And they played Everlong. And it's like, people in, like, complete command of their profession in their show and he's it's tough as a late night host to find your air bearing and like you see it now even like with trevor noah if you watch trevor noah now a lot of people wrote him off early trevor noah's got a firm complete grasp of the tone that is that tv show and has made his own and colbert has totally done that and 
man's got such interest that we share. It's nice to see him go out there and should at least play a song I know. Absolutely. I gotta watch this. Yeah, because I, I, like, oh, I, I know that song. I gotta. I know that song because I'm like Marks and Mountain Ghost. I'm like I know a couple songs, and I'm like, oh, I can enjoy this. Um, Mike, what do you got this week, man? I'm gonna keep mine brief as well. Uh, just two things really this week. Uh, one of them is I finished watching uh, the third season of Stranger Things. Still good, still good. I can see the change that they made. They can't, they can't remain kids forever. So I like the the changes to the group dynamic that's happened with the uh, with the kids. Uh, besides that, I think Stefan watched it this weekend as well. But I watched the live action version of The Lion King. I don't know uh, if you saw it. I was just taking a shot. <laughs> Did you see it, Stefan? Uh, I kind of don't have an interest in seeing it. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's about right. Uh, <laughs> he was the best. He was, your, he was he was your best hope, man. I told you though, the man's got two dogs. He's busy. He probably didn't leave it. Leave to go see it. I mean, Aladdin. I had to like so. Lion King is probably historically number two in my heart from my childhood. But this one just didn't make sense to me. Um, and that's will be my quick spiel on it. Is I get live action everything else. This wasn't live action. They're all still a bunch of CG animals. So we're just animating it differently. So I kind of didn't understand why this one existed. To be honest, um, Mike, tell us about it. Well, I would have seen it. It might be CGI, but you can't tell that these aren't, you know, real animals. So, I mean, they can't exactly have, you know, an actual lion next to a warthog. Hey, my man, how did Gambino do? Get to the point. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was the, the direct That's point. my interest in this movie entirely. Jesus, everyone, <laughs> else, everyone else speaks for like 15 minutes on their stuff. I'm like, I got to get to the point. Goddamn. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> I didn't mean to rush you. But I want you to talk about Gambino first. Then tell talk as long as you want afterwards. Uh Gambino, Gambino was good in the movie. Um, obviously, he's not as good a singer as the original Simba from the from the original movie's voice was. Uh, frankly, the, schooling him? frankly, the only one who you could say, "Oh wow, that singing voice is way better than in the original." It's gonna be the like twenty time Grammy winner, uh, Beyonce Knowles Carter. Um, Wait, when, who who's, who 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 sang for Simba in the first one? Honestly, uh, I don't. I don't know. I just wasn't know the tool that. Time uh, kid? That's why I made that great tool time joke. No, he was the voice of young Simba, oh, and then older it. Simba. Yeah, older Simba was Matthew Broderick. I don't know who said. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> no. So uh, besides that, you know, all of the songs. Um, it's as what you would expect. It's going to be a nostalgia trip, uh, for the most part. Um, the little things that they did add in the movie, I thought made perfect sense. Um. You guys have seen the movie, so I am not spoiling that Nala goes from Pride Rock to, to that oasis where she finds Simba. Um, but one thing they added was her actually escaping from Pride Rock. That it wasn't just that she just like decided, ah, I'm going to just get up and go. Um, they added that there was actually some tension um, in how she escaped. Uh, I think besides that, another cool thing I thought that they added was that in the oasis where uh, Simba basically grows up, he actually encounters other animals as well. And um, there's a funny part in the movie where um, when Simba is still a little cub and he meets up with Simone and Pumbaa for the first time, when Simone and Pumbaa bring him into the oasis, all the other animals that are there are freaking out. Like, oh my God, you brought a lion in here. Please don't eat us. I heard Seth Rogen and wasn't it Billy Etcher? I thought I heard yeah. they killed I heard they were really good. They were extremely funny. Um, Seth Rogen can't sing a lick, but he is the perfect Pumbaa. 
he made uh, he, he kind of made it work though, right? No, he made it work. Um, him, even him, just kind of basically talking the singing parts that he had. It was still funny. It still worked perfectly. Um, I know some people, some critics really hated the fact that oh, it was basically a shot-for-shot remake of the cartoon, but just in live-action slash CGI form. But that's what I want. If I'm gonna go in and watch one of these live-action remakes, yeah, did, I want wait, a shot-for-shot remake. What was Jungle Book? Did they go off script with Jungle Book? No, I'm pretty sure they did basically the same thing with Jungle Book. I mean. So my questions on your takes on them, because um, I've, I've checked out spoiler review. This is one of those ones I'll, I'll catch it on Disney+. Plus. Um, I just didn't feel the need. Like Bobby said, I'm a little busy with the two dogs right now. Um, kind of two criticisms I heard from this movie are, um, one, uh, one person, a critic I particularly like, she says they completely changed the Be Prepared song, and that was significantly for the I worst. loved the change they made to the Be okay. Prepared song. You're on a complete opposite the... boat with her. Yeah. Wait, what, the, what the fuck is the Be Prepared song? That's, uh, that's Scar's Scar song. song with all the hyenas. Oh. Um, okay. Whereas, sure. whereas in the, oh, just to answer your first uh, um, yeah. thing. So it, they did it completely different where it doesn't actually sound like it's a fully produced song. It just has some elements of the song where you can only really tell he's singing the song right at the very end. But it just it just added so much more, in my opinion, more emotional gravitas to the scene, the way they, they made the change. I'll try to remember that whenever I do catch it, but the one thing, it's the thing I least like about them in Aladdin, fucking with the songs. The one thing that I want to be accurate is the goddamn songs. Like, uh, Are you really checking for Be Prepared, though? Like, Of all the songs you're really looking for. I mean, for, that's, that's his not one, one really It's not the one I'm looking for, but it's the one song he has. It's like the fourth most famous song from that, in that movie, though. There's like, like four songs in the movie. I'm just saying, you got. They didn't fuck up Circle of Life, did they? No, that was basically the same. Yo, they didn't fuck up Circle of Life or Hakuna Matata, right? Hakuna Matata. And, and then there's the one I can't different. wait, to, and I can't, I can't wait to be king. And can you feel the love tonight? Yes, I get something. it. Be prepared, his last on the soundtrack list, but it's the one bad guy song, so that's why it's notable for. Um, the other note, uh, Mike, I don't know how did you feel about this. Um, I've heard from several people. Beyonce and Donald don't got a lot of chemistry. How much chemistry can you have when it's voice acting? Uh, I said they said that the voices don't seem super compatible. Beyonce has a much deeper, mature voice, and Donald it just it just they don't seem like that's a good match. It, that's all. It's because one of them, one of one of them, not really critique against Beyonce. It's more like they're just like, yo, who's this Donald Glover with his high ass voice? I mean, Donald Glover is a fucking success right now. Hey man, he, he he's fucking Lando Calrissian, and he made This Is America. My man's on top of the world. Okay, granted, when I see him, he is dressed in short shorts and a t-shirt, and Beyonce is in an evening gown, and maybe that's why they don't line up so well chemistry-wise. <laughs> you think people are watching the Lion King thinking, "Yo, man, this is Troy Barnes." Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> At no point in that movie did you ever think. I've been dead. I'm I'm so in this. It's no longer Beyonce. Like fuck you. Like it's um, just Beyonce. Okay, that's but, why you get famous. That's why you don't hire voice actors and you hire famous people to be in your animated shit. So the so people can be like, oh, so parents can be like, I'll go see that. It's got Clint Eastwood as the monkey or something, and they'll go see it. Okay, that's the whole point of not hiring a voice actor. Uh, one one change I think you would all enjoy was that you remember how in the original 
um, Timon and Pumbaa sing maybe about 30 seconds or 20 seconds of The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Oh, we got a full rendition? Oh, and this one, it goes for about a minute and a half. And the funniest part of it is that it's not just Timon and Simba. Like, it starts off with just with Timon and Pumbaa, I mean. I'm sorry. It starts off with just Timon and Pumbaa. But then, like, all the other animals in that part of the forest join into the rendition as well. Yep. Um, I, John Oliver as Zazu seems like great casting. Oh, he was great. He okay. <laughs> John Oliver as Zazu was hilarious. Um, he had like you could tell. I think he had a lot of input. I think it's a, what his uh, script um, said. Um, either that or maybe a British person was in the the writers room because it did sound like a lot of what you would imagine John Oliver saying. Uh, real quick. They reprised James Earl Jones, right, as Mufasa? Yeah, he's yeah. still alive. God God bless him. Well, I mean, it's not that the other voice actors are all dead. They just chose more. It's red- hard to replace James Earl Jones. I'm just saying, props to them for doing that the way Far From Home. We all, we all saw Far From Home, right? We already did the spoiler talk on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that we brought back uh, J.K. Uh, Simmons. You know, sometimes you nailed casting the first time. And we don't need to update it. That's all I'm saying. My, man, my man's still my man's still voicing Vader, right? He voiced Vader as long as he could. Um, real quick, you said it was your second favorite. What is your favorite movie or my Disney movie stuff? I'm I'm curious about all you guys. But what's your favorite? Oh Disney movie? no, I said it. Um, for me, it's it's Aladdin, hands down. Aladdin. You think as a Middle Eastern person, that'd be my number one? It's up there, but it's not. Um, what is yours, Mike? I think it would have to be The Lion King. I thought this motherfucker was going to say Goofy Movie. I was waiting for Goofy Movie bullshit from Mike. It was coming. Um, <laughs> Lion King? Yeah. Um, Mark, what for you? What about for you? Yeah, I don't really know. I, maybe Beauty and the Beast. Uh, to be honest, like it's when I think back at the animated movies, I watched them a lot as a kid, but I don't remember ever being like super like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember thinking like they're really good, and I got excited each year when there was a new – because every year there would be like a new one. But like as like looking back, it's like I don't really have a favorite. There's like some songs that I like mockingly mess with people with, but like I don't know. Like when people start saying the first like anytime I anytime I show something somebody something new, I always go, It's a whole new world. <laughs> um can I chime in something that contributes to making Aladdin so good is because back in the day, um we all talk about licensed games suck, but the licensed oh. Aladdin oh, Super Nintendo game was yeah. fucking money. I think that Lion was King one of the great platforms. Dude, Lion King was so hard. Yeah, hard. Lion King was tough as shit. I remember that one. Yeah, Aladdin did, was did you guys ever beat the Lion King? Because no. I got to the last level all the time, and I never learned how to beat Scar. There was an episode of Up, Up, Down, Down about... I forgot who was on it. It was one of the ones where Woods interviewed somebody, and they start playing Lion King, and the first 10 minutes is them just bitching about, I never beat this fucking game. It was so hard. Why was this so hard? <laughs> um, my favorite, honestly, it's like one of the lesser ones, but it's a lot of these movies. I think a lot of these animated movies and kid movies, it's like whatever impact it had on you as a child. And when I was a kid, me and my little brother watched, watched the hell out of The Great Mouse Detective. Which was okay. effectively the Shakespeare, the Sherlock Holmes one. It was just Sherlock Holmes. I liked Five okay. Will Go West a lot. That was one of my. Life. Oh, I loved Five Will Goes West when I was a kid. That was a good one too. But for me, it was the Great Mouse Detective. Aladdin was really big. We watched the hell out of Peter Pan. Peter Pan, we watched a lot in my house. I thought you might have and- said something different for your obscure one because my big obscure one 
um, that just isn't as mainstream. Well, I don't know how obscure it is. People don't ever bring it, though. Well, no, it's not considered one of the main ones, right? It's just mm. it's just rarely brought up, and if you go to Disneyland, you'll find zero merch for it. But along the mm. same lines, I loved the um, Robin Hood, where they were all oh, foxes. That, yeah! That was going to be my choice for this obscure Disney movie choice. Yeah. So on the obscure, on, of the not, you know, Mount Rushmore level tier of Disney, uh, the Robin Hood. Absolutely loved it. And I, I remember, remember. I remember as a kid... The scene where he like makes out, finally kisses Maid Marian. That made me so uncomfortable as a child. So yeah, like that affected me as a child. That that introduced me to uh, like heterosexual relationships. Yeah, did did, did they is. go to a bur- they go to a burlesque show in Great Mouse Detective? I remember as a child being like, "The fuck is going on in this movie?" Very <laughs> like, very confused children. I mean, you guys know this now. How much Bobby loves him some Sherlock. I mean, I just like uh, shit that sense. essentially is Sherlock. Dude, you give me any like fucking like. Is a mystery show? I'm pretty in, man. Everybody, everybody's been ripping off Sherlock Holmes for like fucking 200 years. Bobby, I don't know once upon out. a time, you said Mike's the kind of guy that refers to Batman as the detective. How are you not that same type of person? Batman is just a ripoff of Sherlock Holmes. They're all ripping off Sher- uh, Arthur Co- Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about the greatest goddamn detective that ever was, and everything else is just. Fucking Sherlock with a fucking bat suit on. It's derivative. You know? <laughs> like, it's all derivative, yeah. buddy. They're all derivative. They all come from that, okay? <laughs> um, all right. Um, I, does anybody have anything else before we call today? No, we talked enough. <laughs> yeah, it's a long show. I just want to leave with this. Um, we, Marcus, I have finally found use of our giant uh, Fight TV credit. Nice. Because on September 14th, at Josh Barnett's Bloodsport mm, okay. 2, yes. Blood, Josh Barnett is going to wrestle. Against the one and only John Moxley. Doesn't do that much for you. Does a lot for me. Dean Ambrose, Josh Barnett, got a wrestle. Awesome. Last, last one he did was Frank Mir. We didn't watch that one. No, we didn't. You know Barnett's Step gonna, on, do, I hope Barnett's gonna do the job. Moxley's hot oh, yeah. shit right now. He's Moxley doesn't job. lose to, Moxley doesn't lose to anybody. Everybody's talking about how Moxley got better at wrestling just by not being in the WWE. It's incredible. Alright, boys and girls, we'll be back next week. We're going to preview um Robbie Lawler versus Colby Covington. Um that is the main event of that ESPN card. Um I'm seeing if there's anything else we'll be talking about off this card that's uh, got some stuff Not going much. on. Not much. It's it's pretty bad. I like I like Jim. I mean it's on ESPN whatever. See, I give you guys the benefit of the doubt UFC if it's on fucking free TV, okay? Jim Miller and Clay Guida should be nice and violent. Yeah. But yeah, this the is next best. These last three you could have added these three cards together and made a hell of a card, guys. Just saying. All right, boys and girls, thank you all for listening. We honestly really appreciate it. Um, Kid Presentable was here. DJ Mark was here. Lavender Gooms was here. I was Dr. All, Dr. Law. I can't say my own name. been talking too long. Thank you all for listening. Peace out and see you next week. See you. Cheers.